Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Monday, February 6th episode. That would be episode, shoot, I think it's 159, episode 159 of the Faith Comes From a Hearing podcast. I am Wayne Floyd, your host, and uh, the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a proud member of the Christian podcast community. I would definitely recommend you go over there and check them out. Uh, You can find them at podcasts.strivingforeternity.org. Definitely a bunch of wonderful podcasts over there. And honestly, if you go over there, find something you'd rather listen to than me, I understand. Nah, I don't have any problem at all with that. Um, so would definitely, but would definitely encourage you to go find some good podcasts over there. There are a lot of good ones over there. Definitely worth your time. Many brothers and sisters in Christ doing good work over there for the kingdom. Um, I'd also point out to you the final link in uh, the show notes. Um, that's true for every episode. Um, of the more recent ones the last couple of weeks. Um, it is our Vail Valley Baptist church give sin go campaign. Um, what our campaign is for, uh, we are working to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can establish a Christian classic education based school for our community. Um, give our, give our parents an alternative. Um, as to where they're sending their kids. So we're working towards that. So obviously we want to get our mortgage paid off quickly so we can focus our funds in other directions to facilitate the school. So that's our thought. So I would definitely encourage you to click on the link and go over and read about what we're doing. It's a much better description than I just gave you. And then do three things for us. We want you to pray for us. We want you to prayerfully consider giving, and we want you to pass the link on to other people you know so that they can do the same thing. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get into our Monday reading for the day. Uh, We're going to go ahead and open up like we usually do on Monday mornings with the second day morning prayer. It's called God over all. Let's pray. O God, all sufficient, thou hast made and upholdest all things by the word of thy power. Darkness is thy pavilion. Thou walkest on the wings of the wind. All nations are nothing before thee. One generation succeeds another, and we hasten back to the dust. The heavens we behold will vanish away, like the clouds that cover them. The earth we tread on will dissolve as a morning dream. But thou, unchangeable and incorruptible, art forever and ever. God over all, blessed eternally. Infinitely great and glorious art thou. We are thy offspring in thy care. Thy hands, sorry, thy hands have made and fashioned us. Thou hast watched over us with more than parental love, more than maternal tenderness. Thou hast holden our soul in life, and not suffered our feet to be moved. Thy divine power has given us all things necessary for life and godliness. Let us bless thee at all times, and forget not how thou hast forgiven our iniquities, healed our diseases, redeemed our lives from destruction, crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfied our mouths with good things, renewed our youth like the eagles, 
May thy holy scriptures govern every part of our lives and regulate the discharge of all our duties, so that we may adorn thy doctrine in all things. Amen. All right, in our morning devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for February 6th, the prayer is Ephesians 6, 8, uh, the text is Ephesians 6.18. It's called, uh, the text is Praying Always. What multitude of prayers we have put up from the first moment when we learned to pray. Our first prayer was a prayer for ourselves. We asked that God would have mercy upon us and blot out our sin. He heard us, but when he had blotted out our sins like a cloud, then we had more prayers for ourselves. We have had to pray for sanctifying grace, for constraining and restraining grace. We have been led to crave for a fresh assurance of faith, for the comfortable application of the promise, for deliverance in the hour of temptation, for help in the time of duty, and for succor in the day of trial. We have been compelled to go to God for our souls as constant beggars, asking for everything. Bear witness, children of God, you have never been able to get anything for your souls elsewhere. All the bread your soul has eaten has come down from heaven, and all the water of which it has drank has flowed from the living rock, Christ Jesus the Lord. Your soul has never grown rich in itself. Self, It has always been a pensioner upon the daily bounty of God, and hence your prayers have ascended to heaven for a range of spiritual mercies, all but infinite. Your wants were innumerable, and therefore the supplies have been infinitely great, and your prayers have been as varied as the mercies have been countless. Then have you not cause to say, I love the Lord because he hath heard the voice of my supplication. For as your prayers have been many, so also have been God's answers to them. He has heard you in the day of trouble, has strengthened you, and helped you, even when you dishonored him by trembling and doubting at the mercy seat. Remember this, and let it fill your heart and, and with gratitude to God, who has thus graciously heard your poor, weak prayers. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. All right, and now we're going to get into our reading. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 23, verse 14, and read through into chapter 25. Um, and I'm going to grab some coffee here real quick. All right. So, like I said, Exodus 23, verse 14. Three times a year you shall celebrate a feast to me. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. For seven days you are to eat unleavened bread, as I commanded you, at the appointed time in the month Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. Also you shall keep the feast of the harvest, of the first fruits of your labors, from what you sow in the field. Also, Sorry. Also the feast of the ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in the fruit of your labors from the field. Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord Yahweh. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor is the fat of my feast to remain overnight until morning. You shall bring the choice first, choice first fruits of your ground into the house of Yahweh your God. You shall not boil a young goat in the milk of its mother. Behold, I am going to send an angel before you to keep you along the way, and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Keep watch of yourself before him, and listen to his voice. Do not be rebellious toward him, for he will not pardon your transgression, since my name is in him. But if you truly listen to his voice, and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies, and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you, and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will annihilate them. 
You shall not worship their gods, you shall not serve them, and you shall not do according to their deeds, but you shall utterly pull them down and shatter their sacred pillars in pieces. But you shall serve Yahweh your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will remove sickness from your midst. There shall be no one miscarrying or barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion all the people among whom you come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets ahead of you so that they will drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites before you. I will not drive them out before you in a single year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. I will drive them out before you little by little, until you become fruitful and take the land as an inheritance, and I will set your boundary from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, and from the wilderness sorry, and from the wilderness to the river, for I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you will drive them out from before you. You shall cut no covenant with them or with their gods. They shall not live in your land, lest they make you sin against me, for if you serve their gods it will surely be a snare to you. All right, Exodus 24. Then he said to Moses, Come up to Yahweh, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and you all shall worship at a distance. Moses alone, however, shall come near to Yahweh, but they shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Then Moses came and recounted to the people all the words of Yahweh and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which Yahweh has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of Yahweh. Then he arose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain with twelve pillars for the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the sons of Israel, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as peace offerings to Yahweh. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and the other half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that Yahweh has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. So Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people, and said, Behold the blood of the covenant, which Yahweh has cut with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel, and under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire, as clear as the sky itself. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel, and they beheld God, and they ate and drank. Now Yahweh said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and remain there, and I will give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses arose with Joshua his attendant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. But to the elders he said, Remain here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a legal matter, let him approach them. Then Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of Yahweh dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered sorry, covered it for six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. And the appearance of the glory of Yahweh was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop in the eyes of the sons of Israel. Then Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up to the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. And now Exodus 25 through to verse 40. Actually, that's all of Exodus 25, sorry. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak with the sons of Israel, so that they take a contribution for me. From every man whose heart is willing, you shall take my contribution. 
and this is the contribution which you shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet material, fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, porpoise skins, acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx, onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod and for the breastpiece, and let them make a sanctuary for me, that I may dwell among them, according to all that I am going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furniture, just so you shall make it. And they shall make an ark of acacia wood two and a half cubits long and one and a half cubits wide and one and a half cubits high. You shall overlay it with pure gold inside and out. You shall overlay it, and you shall make a gold molding around it. You shall cast four gold rings for it and fasten them on its four feet, and two rings shall be on one side of it and two rings on the other side of it. You shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay sorry, and overlay them with gold. You shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark with them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be removed from it. You shall put into the ark the testimony which I shall give you. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and one and a half cubits wide. You shall make two cherubim of gold, make them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and one cherub at the other end. From one piece you shall make the mercy seat with the cherubim at its two ends. The cherubim shall have their wings spread upward, covering the mercy seat with their wings, with their faces towards one another. The faces of the cherubim are to be toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony which I will give to you. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony, I will speak to you about all which I will command you for the sons of Israel. You shall make a table of acacia wood, two cubits long, and one cubit wide, and one and a half cubits high. You shall overlay it with pure gold, and make a gold border around it. You shall make for it a rim of a handbreadth around it, and you shall make a gold border for the rim around it. <sighs> You shall make four gold rings for it, and put rings on the four corners, which are on its four feet. The ring shall be close to the rim as holders, for the poles to carry the tables. You shall make the poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with gold, so that with them the table may be carried. You shall make its dishes, and its pans, and its jars, and its offering bowls, with which to pour drink offerings. You shall make them of pure gold. You shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me at all times." Then you shall make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand, its base, and its shaft are to be made of hammered work. Its cups, its bulbs, and its flowers shall be of the same piece. Six branches shall go out from its sides, three branches of the lampstand from its one side, and three branches of the lampstand from its other side. Three cups shall be shaped like almond blossoms in the one branch, a bulb and a flower, and three cups shaped like almond blossoms in the other branch, a bulb and a flower. So for the six branches going out from the lampstand. And in the lampstand, four cups shall like <clears throat> shape like almond blossoms, its bulbs and its flowers. And a bulb shall be under the first pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the second pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the third pair of branches coming out of it, for the six branches coming out of the lampstand. Their bulbs and their branches shall be of the same piece, all of it shall be one piece of hammered work of pure gold. Then you shall make its lamps seven in number, and they shall mount its lamps, so as to shed light on the space in front of it, and its tongs and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made from a talent of pure gold, with all these utensils. 
and see that you make them after the pattern for them, which was shown to you on the mountain. Now Matthew 24 verses 29 through 51. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branches already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For just as the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving it marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding grain at the mill, one will be taken and one will be left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Who then is the faithful and prudent slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if the evil slave says in his heart, My master is not coming for a long time, and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour which he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, Psalm 30. A psalm, a song at the dedication of the house of David. I will exalt you, O Yahweh, for you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies be glad over me. O Yahweh, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. O Yahweh, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have kept me alive that I would not go down to the pit. Sing praise to Yahweh, you his holy ones, and give thanks for the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is built is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Now as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be shaken. O Yahweh, by your favor you have made my mountain to stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Yahweh, I called, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Yahweh, and be gracious to me. O Yahweh, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness, that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Yahweh, my God, I will give thanks to you forever.
All right. And now Proverbs. Um, let's see. This is Proverbs 7, verse 24 through 27. So now, my son, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart go astray into her ways. Do not wander, wander into her pathways. For many are the slain whom she has cast down, and numerous are all those killed by her. The way to Sheol are in her house, descending to the chambers of death. All right. Well, that is our reading for the day. Um, I, I, I hope it has edified you and I thank you for spending the time with me. Um, I would definitely encourage, I hope you have a great day. I would definitely encourage you to do all that you do today for the glory of God. And we're going to go ahead and close out with another Valley of Vision prayer. This one is called the spirit of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, fill me with thy spirit that I may be occupied with his presence. I am blind. Send him to make me see dark let him say let there be light may he give me faith to behold my name engraven in thy hand my soul and body redeemed by thy blood my sinfulness covered by the life of pure obedience replenish me by his revealing grace that i may realize my indissoluble union with thee that i may know thou <clears throat> thou hast espoused me to thyself forever in righteousness love mercy faithfulness that i am one with thee as a branch with its stock as a building with its foundation may his comforts cheer me in my sorrows his strength sustain me in my trials his blessings revive me in my weariness his presence render me a fruitful tree of holiness his might establish me in peace and joy his incitements make me ceaseless in prayer his animation kindle in me undying devotion send him as the searcher of my heart to show me more of my corruptions and helplessness, that I may flee to thee, cling to thee, rest on thee, as the beginning and end of my salvation. May I never vex him by my indifference and waywardness, grieve him by my cold welcome, resist him by my hard rebellion. Answer my prayers, O Lord, for thy great name's sake. Amen. All right, again, well, thank you for spending this time with me, and God willing, I will see, see you this evening. Have a great one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Monday February 6th episode, that's episode 159 of the Faith Comes From a Hearing podcast. The Faith Comes From a Hearing podcast is a proud member of the Christian podcast community. You can go over and find them at podcasts.strivingforeternity.org. Um, I would definitely recommend you get over there. There are some wonderful podcasts over there. Um, and I would definitely, definitely encourage you to go listen to some of them and find you some good ones. Um, not that there are any bad ones over there. Believe me, a bunch of brothers and sisters in Christ over there doing good work for the kingdom. So I would definitely encourage that. Um, I did forget to say I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. And let's see. Uh, again, I will point out the final link in the show notes. Um, that is the link for the Vail Valley Baptist Church Give, Send, Go campaign. Uh, we are working to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can shift gears and commence establishment of a Christian classical education-based school. Um, we're trying to give um, our the parents in our community an alternative um, for their children and for our grandchildren. Um, so we're trying to get to the point where we can do that. 
Um, so what we would ask of you, you know, go ahead and click on the link. You can read a little bit more about it. Um, and I would definitely encourage that. But then we ask three things of you. We'd ask you to pray for us. We'd ask you to prayerfully consider giving, and we'd ask you to pass the links along, the link along so others can do the same thing. All right. With all of that said, and I, I, Thank you for coming along with me this evening and spending this time with me. I hope it is edifying for you. Um, I would pray that it is edifying for you. We're going to go ahead and open up in prayer from Valley of Vision. This prayer is called Vocation. This prayer is called Vocation. And we're starting to come to the end of our Valley of Vision stuff. Um, oh, that didn't work. Of our Valley of Vision stuff. Um, so we uh, are going to be starting back over. So, um, just trying to keep you exposed to it, to, to expose the whole thing. I don't want to, I don't want to sit on particular ones other than the dailies. Um, I'd like you to hear all of it. Um, it's definitely worth your while, but so anyways, we're going to open up with a prayer called vocation from Valley of vision. So let's pray. Heavenly father, thou hast placed me in the church, which thy son purchased by his own blood Add grace to grace that I may live worthy of my vocation. I am a voyager across life's ocean safe in heaven's ark, may I pass through a troubled world into the harbor of eternal rest. I am a tree of the vineyard thou hast planted. Grant me not to be barren with worthless, with worthless leaves and wild grapes. Prune me of useless branches. Water me with dews of blessing. I am part of the Lamb's bride, the church. Help me to be true, faithful, chaste, loving, pure, devoted. Let no strong affection wantonly dally with the world. May I live high above a love of things temporal, sanctified, cleansed, unblemished, hallowed by grace. Thy love my fullness, thy glory my joy, thy precepts my pathway, thy cross my resting place. My heart is not always a flame of adoring love, but resting in thy son's redemption. I look forward to the days of heaven, where no languor shall oppress, no iniquities chill, no mists of unbelief dim the eyes, no zeal ever tires. Father, these thoughts are the stay, prop, and comfort of my soul. Amen. All right, and now our evening devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for February 6th. The text is James 5.16. Pray one for another. As an encouragement cheerfully to... I'm sorry, as an encouragement cheerfully to offer intercessory prayer, remember that such prayer is the sweetest God ever hears, for the prayer of Christ is of this character. And all the incense which our great high priest now puts into the golden censer, there is not a single grain for himself. His intercession must be the most acceptable of all supplications, and the more like our prayer is to Christ, the sweeter it will be. Thus, while petitions for ourselves will be accepted, our pleadings for others, having in them more of the fruits of the Spirit, more love, more faith, more brotherly kindness, will be, through the precious merits of Jesus, the sweetest oblations that we can offer to God, the very fat of our sacrifice. Remember again that intercessory prayer is exceedingly prevalent. What wonders it has wrought! The Word of God teems with its marvelous deeds. Believer, thou hast a mighty engine in thy hand. Use it well, use it constantly, use it with faith, and thou shalt surely be a benefactor to thy brethren. When thou hast the king's ear, speak to him for the suffering members of his body. When thou art favored to draw very near to his throne, and the king saith to thee, Ask, and I will give thee what thou wilt, let thy petitions be not for thyself alone, but for the many who need his aid. 
If thou hast grace, hast grace at all, and art not an intercessor, that grace must be small as a grain of mustard seed. Thou hast just enough grace to float thy soul clear from the quicksand, but thou hast no deep floods of grace, or else thou wouldst carry in thy joyous bark a weighty cargo of the wants of others, and thou wouldst bring back from thy Lord for them rich blessings which but for thee they might not have, atta- have, atta- have obtained. O oh, let my hands forget their skill, my tongue be silent, cold, and still, this bounding heart forget to beat, if I forget the mercy seat. All right. Well, there you go. All right, we are getting back into our study in the Gospel of John, John chapter 5. Oh, excuse me, needed a little bit of coffee there. Um, we're continuing on in John chapter 5. Um, we've got God willing this evening and tomorrow evening, and then we'll be moving into John chapter 6 and into some very new territory for me and you both. I've been trying to study ahead and get ready for for those evenings. Um, so we'll see. Um, I, I hope I'm able to continue this process. Um, it, it's honestly been a lot of work trying to put this together. But anyway, so let's let's get going along. So our text today is going to be in John chapter 5. It's going to be in the later parts of it. It's going to be um, verse 43 through 46, I believe. Yeah. No, 43 through 44. Sorry. 43 through 44 today. So just two verses. So, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to read, um, from verse 39 on, I'm going to read about that. So, so, so again, we're coming back to our study of the gospel of John. Um, and what we've walked through. So, so again, like, like I've done for the last five, six, seven evenings is we've had Jesus there heal the man at the pool of Bethesda. And like I keep saying, it was this this wonderful, wonderful miracle. But we have the Jewish leadership so caught up in the fact that he violated rabbinical law. And again, I say rabbinical law, not the law of God. Okay, Rabbinical law was not the law of God. The fact is, I, I actually made the reference the other day, that I would imagine the rabbinical law was about the size of the U.S. tax code, which if you know anything about it is probably, is, is, is theoretically humongous. Um, and, and none of that had to do with the law of God. Um, the fact is it had to do with power. The rabbis wanted more power. They, they, they craved more power. And, and I'm sure some of it initially, especially the Pharisees, the Pharisees came out, came about because they realized there was a complete lack of piety among the Israelites. And so that they felt that they needed to strive to be more pious, which is not a bad thing. But they took it too far. It was more and more and more and more rules that they were creating that didn't necessarily have anything to do with the law that God gave in the Mosaic Covenant. And in some cases got to the point it started conflicting with that law of God. And so they would actually give more weight to their own rabbinical law over the law of God. And we, we see Jesus, I've actually brought it up a couple of nights ago, um, where Jesus called them out on that. That, that you're going to put your law ahead of the law of God, you know, and basically, hey, you're bad for doing that. So, you know, we, again, we saw, so again, they were angry about it. This miracle had happened. John the Baptist has, so John the Baptist has come, first prophet in 400 years. 
And he makes clear to them that there's one among them, one that he's the forerunner for, that is the Christ, that is the Lamb of God. He even calls him out right there. He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And they know this. They know this. And Jesus does all these miracles and is teaching all this teaching. But they're more concerned about their rabbinical law. And, and, and he's done this miracle right there. Again, man lame 38 years, probably most of his life. Lame 38 years, and he healed him instantly there by the pool of Bethesda, which was huge. When you, when you know everything, and of course you're going to have to go back to those other podcasts to know, know how major it was. I mean, everybody goes, oh yeah, healed the lame guy. No, no, no. You got to realize how lame this guy was and how major a, a miracle that was to heal him and healed him instantaneously. But anyways... They're ignoring the amazingness of that for their rabbinical law. So what we see happen is basically what is almost an impromptu trial. They've accused him, and so Jesus responds. Now, of course, he doesn't respond to their calling him out for violating the rabbinical law. He proceeds to do a number of things. Um, We see him, um, let's see, we've seen him show that that he is equal with God. We've seen him show, again, that... that, uh, he has the power and the direction to, to, to accomplish both the spiritual resurrection and the physical resurrection for us. Uh, we see him then begin to call witnesses. Um, and again, we, we saw the witness of John the Baptist. Um, we saw the witness of his works, of Jesus' works. Um, and then we saw the witness of God the Father. And we see this building and we came to the final witness where we saw the scriptures themselves. And so in verse 39, verse 39, we saw the beginning part of the scriptures and we called that section the search and, and he calls them out and he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that bear witness about me. He's making clear to them, listen, yeah, that's great. You're diligent students of the scriptures. You search them trying to find eternal life, but that eternal life is in me. And if you truly were searching them, you would see that it's in me and you would come to me. And then it goes on in verse 40 through 42. We saw where we dealt dealt with the reproof. And I told you we were only going to deal with part of that last evening. We're going to do that would deal with the rest of it this evening. We saw that through verses 40 and 40 through 42 said, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. And again, he says that, that, that he just calls out their unwillingness, that they, they neglect the, the doctrine of Jesus. They neglect what he's teaching and that they have a distinct want of the love of God, meaning, meaning they have a lack of the love of God. They love themselves more than they love God. They want to hold to their own, to, um, what am I trying to say? To, to their own statutes, to keep their power, to keep their special places, to keep the honor they get among men. That is more important to them than loving God and being obedient to God. If we truly love, it's, it's like for you and I, if we truly love Christ, if we truly love God, then we're obedient to him and that obedience manifests. Well, that obedience is not manifesting in, in them. It's very clear. And that's what Jesus is calling them out with. But I know you that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. They have no love. 
So we're continuing on today in verses 43 and 44, dealing with the reproof that Jesus makes of them. So I'm going to read those two verses and then we're going to, we're going to unpack them. So verse 43 and 44 of John 5, I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the only God? So we see here, so we see here two, two other bullet points kind of point out here, one in 43 and one in 44. In verse 43, we see their readiness to entertain false Christs and false prophets. Verse 43 again, I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. So Jesus continues to show that he knows their hearts. He's come in the name of God. He's not even come in his own name trying to get his own honor. Honor. He's come in the name of God, the one they came to love and honor and obey, but they won't receive him. They completely reject him. Um, Jeremiah 2, 12 and 13 through 13a. Be appalled, O heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very devastated, declares Yahweh. For my people have done two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. They're rejecting who the Father has sent, the one that has come in the Father's name, the one that has come to honor the Father. But then he continues on. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. Meaning Jesus is going on to indicate that these Jews will accept Except people that come and testify to themselves, people that come to bring their own, to get their own honor, to honor themselves. They will accept them before they'll accept one that has come in the name of their God. They claim to love and worship. So when he's indicating this, what he's saying there by these people that come in their own names, these would be false messiahs, false Christs, false prophets. Without any testimony or witness from God through direct witness, witness through works from God, or witness through the scriptures, they would accept them. Basically what he's saying is, I've come, I'm prophesied about, I've fulfilled all those prophecies in the Old Testament that you being the diligent students you are that we saw in verse 39, know about, I've fulfilled all of those, I'm doing these miracles, I've lived a sinless life, even John the Baptist has witnessed to me, even my father himself has spoken from heaven and witnessed to who I was. And you won't accept me, but somebody else that has none of that, you'll accept? Without any testimony or witness from God, they would accept them. Uh, Jeremiah 2, 13b, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Jeremiah right there is prophesying about these people. My people have done two evils. So I'm going to do all of Jeremiah verse 13. For my people have done two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. That's what's happening here. They've, they're ignoring the Christ who has come. Who, who, I mean, he spoke to the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well about this, the fountain of living water, this living water he gives that, that will bubble up to a fountain of eternal life in them. That's the living water. And they're ignoring that to hew cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can, cisterns that can hold no water, meaning they're dead, they're useless. 
And the thing is, we see this in our day and may even be guilty of it ourselves. We should only entertain the Christ of the Bible. And I know I keep hammering that home. But the problem is I keep seeing all around me. I've been seeing for years now. And I and I guarantee if you stop and look, you will too. That we run around entertaining we, we, we run around entertaining Christ that are not the Christ of the Bible. They're Christ that we make. They're Christ that we want him to be. They, we should only entertain the Christ of the Bible, the true son of God, and none other, no matter how much junk they shovel at us trying to win us over. And believe me, there are churches all over the place out there. There are books all over the place out there. Even within the Christian, the, the quote, Christian world, much less the secular world. Believe me, the secular world is trying to pump saviors at you left and right. I'm sorry. Um, don't get me wrong. I didn't vote for him the first time. I did vote for him the second time. But people have been trying to pump John, Donald Trump at us as a savior. He's not. There's nobody new coming up that is. Joe Biden wasn't. I mean, believe me, there's no politician out there that's going to be our savior. Jesus Christ is our only savior. He is our only savior. And it's the Christ of the Bible, the Christ that the Bible explains in its totality, not in the little bits we want to take. That's, that's what we do. And like I, like I brought up last evening and probably for the last five or six, and, and I'm sorry that I, that I feel like that I'm beating the crud out of this, but we do it. We want a Christ that we want to shape instead of the Christ that the Bible gives us the Christ that the Bible explains to us and shows us. But we, but we can't, we've, we've got to know that the, the Christ that the Bible shows us, we got to know that that's why the book of John to me is so important because it truly shows us who this Christ is, who this Christ is that we have to believe that we have to truly know is the Messiah, the son of God. Because this is our only savior. This is the one that came in his father's name. And that many a times we don't receive, but we'll receive others that come and represent themselves. And that's not acceptable. But what we also see these Jewish leaders do, and we see Jesus point out here in verse 44, the pride and vainglory and unbelief of the Jewish leaders. And honestly, that can apply to us. Verse 44, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the only God? Matthew Henry, Henry indicates of this. They therefore slighted and undervalued Christ because they admired and overvalued themselves. I'm sorry, that's you and I in our world. We put such a high value on man and such a low value on Christ outside the churches, but inside the churches too. And it may not be an overall thing, but I will guarantee you, if you go through your week, you'll find places where you overvalued yourself and undervalued Christ. I know I do. I know I do. That is unacceptable for us to have that pride and vain glory. We are to be humble and obedient. And Jesus makes the comparison here between himself who seeks the glory of God alone and these Jews who seek the world's glories. They, they want, and it's clear, we see this. He calls them out a number of times and shows clearly across the Gospels, the synoptics as well as John, shows clearly 
how much this Jewish leadership is all about themselves, about themselves having the best place at the theater, the best place in the courts, the best place anywhere, the best place at the feasts, um, having the nicest robes, like I like I said last evening, the longest tassels, the biggest lapels or, or, or uh, you know fringes on their on their robes, and we and again we see it throughout the Gospels. These leaders were very big on ostentation dress ostentatious dress like I was explaining and big actions in front of all the eyes to receive all glory that big big prayers in front of everybody that they would see that and big things when they're doing the sackcloth and ashes thing doing it in front of everybody to get the honor for themselves they want the honor from their fellow man but they don't want to bring the honor to God and honestly can you you and I look in the mirror frequently and see the Jewish leaders in ourselves A quote I came across that has become part of my prayer life just comes to mind here. Finish your work strongly in us so that you are glorified through us and us in you. We want God to finish his work strongly in you and in in us so that he is glorified through the work we do. And thus, then we are glorified in him. That's where we need to be focused. That's not where these Jewish leaders were. And honestly, there's many a days when it's not you and I. But that's what we have to strive for. That's the example we need to be pushing for. That That is the criteria we need to point out. But we also see Jesus point out these folks, these Jewish leaders, that they didn't speak spiritual, seek spiritual honor, the honor of God. We have to know, as these Jewish leaders should have known, who had and who had diligently studied the scriptures, that the true only true honor comes from God. The true Christian has no place chasing the honor of the world. We don't. We have absolutely no place chasing the honor of the world. Our primary focus, again, um, Westminster Shorter Catechism, first question. Wow, I went blank. <laughs> Anyways, it's basically what is the main purpose of man, and it's to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And I, I, I can't, couldn't remember the the question itself, but I know the answer. Um, and I don't know why I blanked on it. I, I'm sure five minutes from now I'll remember it. But anyways, but we also see Jesus here make clear here that His search for the world's honor has a distinct effect on their faith. Again, as Matthew Henry refers to it, it influences their infidelity. They were spending all of their time chasing around the honor of the physical fleshly world. They had basically made it their God, which clearly then makes them violators of the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. They were being unfaithful to our father God. But again, how often do we put the chasing of of honor of glory, of riches, of accolades, the applause of the world, the, the the applause of our fellow man before our love and obedience to our Heavenly Father and to His Son. How often do we put the approval, let's not even go applause, how often do we put the approval of this world, of this world system, ahead of our love and obedience to God and to His Son? I, 
I guarantee you, if you truly look in the menu, in the mirror and truly evaluate you, like I do, would see these Jewish leaders. Because we don't. There are way too many times you and I put being approved of by this world ahead of the love and obedience to our Heavenly Father. So it's really easy to look at this and go, wow, these guys were terrible. Except I'm sorry. When we look at them, if we are truly honest, we should see ourselves and we should strive not to be those who are building broken cisterns. We've got to be working for the honor of God. We've got to be working for his glory. And to do so, we have to know that the Jesus of the Bible, of all of the Bible, is the Messiah. He's the Christ. He is our Savior. He is our only Savior, the only Savior we are ever, ever, ever going to have. There is no other. There will never be another. And so we have got to pray that we are brought to a saving faith in him. And then in that having happened, we have got to manifest the love and obedience that God deserves and that we owe. And therefore, have the world see Christ in us instead of see these Jewish leaders in us. That is what a true Christian will do. And that's what they will look like. All right. Well, like I said, tomorrow evening, we will, God willing, we will wrap up this section and move on then into John chapter six. So let's go ahead and close out in prayer. Um, I hope you've had a good day. I hope you have a good rest of your evening. And again, I'm very grateful for you spending this time with me. And God willing, I will see you tomorrow morning. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. We're going to close like we usually do on Mondays with the second day evening prayer. It's called Bounty. Thou great and only potentate. Oh, sorry. Let's pray. Thou great and only potentate. Thou hast made summer and winter, day and night. Each of these revolutions serves our welfare and is full of thy care and kindness. Thy bounty is seen in the relations that train us, the laws that defend us, the homes that shelter us, the food that builds us, the raiment that comforts us, the continuance of our health, members, senses, understanding, memory, affection, will. But as stars fade before the rising sun, thou hast eclipsed all these benefits in the wisdom and grace that purposed redemption by Jesus thy Son. Blessed be thy mercy that laid help on one that is mighty and willing, one that is able to save to the uttermost. Make us deeply sensible of our need of his saving grace, of the blood that cleanses, of the rest he has promised, and impute to us that righteousness which justifies the guilty, gives them a title to eternal life and possession of the Spirit. May we love the freeness of salvation and joy in its holiness. Give us faith to grasp thy promises that are our hope, Provide for every exigency and prevent every evil. Keep our hearts from straying after forbidden pleasures. May thy will bind all our wishes. Let us live out of the world as to its spirit, maxim, manners, but live in it as the sphere of our action and usefulness. May we be alive to every call of duty, accepting without question thy determination of our circumstances and our service. Amen. All right. 
Well, again, I hope you have a wonderful evening and God willing, I'll see you in the morning. Have a great one. God bless. Thank you.